Welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian Podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 9. Today on our podcast, we have very special guests, Mike Slater, as well as Thomas Roche and Kirk Moda. Mike has been on here before talking about the Necronomnomnom, which came out last year and did very well. Um, this year, he's bringing us Lovecraft Cocktails, a kind of semi-sequel to the Necronomnomnom, but a standalone book with its own list of drinks based on the Lovecraft mythos. It was a very uh, big pleasure to have Mike on here again. I really enjoyed talking to him, and I really love getting to meet Thomas Roche and Kurt Komoda, his co-authors on this book, Lovecraft Cocktails, that is out by Countryman Press, who also did the Necronomnomnom. It's a wonderful um, book. I really want to recommend that you get it. It's out now on Amazon. You can go and purchase it right now and get it in your hot little hands for the holidays coming up. It'll be a really nice addition to your Halloween festivities. So we're going to go ahead and go right to the conversation with Thomas Roche, Kurt Komoda, and Mike Slater. Take it away. Welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian Podcast. Today I'm very blessed to have the authors of the Lovecraft Cocktails cookbook that's going to be coming out this October. And I'm going to introduce them in turn. We have Mike Slater, Thomas Roche, and Kurt Komodo with us today. Welcome, everybody. Hey, Dean. How you doing? How's it going? Pretty good. Thank you for being on the show. And I just want to start off by saying, Ia, Ia, Cthulhu, Fatong. Nice. Thank you, guys, for being here. Um, I just want to introduce you in turn. If you guys can just give me a brief bio of yourselves, and then we'll start the questions. Does that sound OK? Sure. OK. Sure. So, uh, Mike, we've had you on the show before, but do you want to start off? Um, sure, yeah. Um, so, I am um, half of Red Duke Games. Um, I am uh, sort of the, the writing uh, end of, of things. Um, Tom is uh, the, uh, well, I'll let Tom introduce himself. Anyway, um, I spent about 20 years in corporate technology and have um, more recently branched off into, um, you know, the things I, I love most, game design, writing, um, short fiction, working on some longer fiction. Um, oddly enough, cookbooks and, uh, and now cocktail books with, uh, with maybe some more to come. And, um, you know, that's about it. I have a, a, a mountain retreat in Pennsylvania that's quiet and I can get stuff done from there. <laughs> Very nice. So, um, Thomas, I want to introduce you next. Um, can you give your bio? Uh, sure. Um, Tom Roach. Uh, I am uh, the co-founder with Mike, uh, Red Duke Games. Um, I'm president uh, in name. Uh, basically, we still do pretty much everything 50-50. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm a professional civil engineer, full-time job, and uh, I also coach gymnastics. And this has kind of been my... Uh, dream to start a game company and and Mike helped that happen and uh design games and, and create stuff and basically retire on it so <laughs> <laughs> yes uh certain powers of the universe willing <laughs> uh absolutely and so uh Kurt can uh, you give us your bio last I, I want to um tell you I'm very in awe of your artwork I'm a big fan oh thank you very much yeah, I'm a uh, freelance illustrator living in New Jersey. Um, 
not much else to say. Well, currently right now during this uh, interview, I'll be working. I'm working on Fate of Cthulhu. I do a lot of RPG work, uh, book illustration, and commercial storyboards, stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's good to see you. <laughs> good to see and hear you guys. Thank you. Um, so I want to um, start off with um, just a few questions, but I wanted to ask first, though. Um, you had a big success with the Necronomicon, and um, it did pretty well. Um, do you guys want to talk about that a bit? The recent success you've had with it? Um, yeah, we're we're still a little dumbfounded. Um, so the book is three <laughs> years old, and it has never been more popular. Um, it recently cracked the top one hundred books on Amazon. Um, it was ranked number eighty yeah. out of. Uh, 33 million. Um, it was after, you know, the first podcast I did with you. So maybe, maybe that's got something to do with it, Dean. <laughs> Could be that. That'd be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> did, did, uh, um, yeah. We ended up having a, uh... oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Tom. I was going to say, yeah, um... we had a, uh, we had a bump in uh, TikTok viewers for some reason. And, uh, that caused us to like, yeah, number one in cookbooks, number one in uh, cookbooks and entertainment, and just and then, yeah, then number eighty on Amazon, which was you know, if all books sold, um, it's pretty, pretty humbling. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. We we jumped to one in all of our categories. There was a spike that started in Australia. I have no idea why, but but thank you, Australia. Um, we truly appreciate it, and thank you. Um, TikTok uh, uh, filmmakers, because um, I think the one with uh, the cultist in robes uh, with the little cultist dancing at the end, it was an awesome video, uh, just had an amazing reaction. And, you know, these things are sort of conspiring together at the same time to drive a, uh, a spike in awareness of the book. And, and we are truly grateful. I know that I see it when I go, I go to bookstores quite often. And whenever I do go to bookstores, I'm always seeing copies of it. So I always get a smile when I see it, you know, being sold somewhere. Us too. <laughs> we like I that. Can. Now for the listeners who are not um, familiar with the Necronomnomnom, can we talk a little bit about that and then move on to the creation of the Lovecraft cocktails book? Sure. Um, let's see. So for the folks who, who aren't familiar, um, the Necronom Nom Nom is a Lovecraftian themed cookbook. Uh, it draws from Lovecraft's uh, stories, characters, monsters, and some of his contemporaries as well. So, you know, Robert W. Chambers and Clark Ashton Smith and their creations are, are in there as well. Um, and uh, a friend of ours, um, when uh, Tom and I decided to begin the project and put it on Kickstarter and see what would happen, um, a friend of ours named Tim Carl connected us with a friend of his named Kurt Komoda, um, who uh, I called up out of the blue and um, asked if he was interested in drawing a lot of Lovecraftian monsters, which he, he loves to do and, and make some crazy notes in the margin, like an old, uh, you know, like an old uh, grimoire or a medical journal. And uh, he said, what's the project? And I said, a cookbook. And um, yeah, he, he kind of, Said, oh, yeah, okay, sure. Uh, sounds great. I'll, I'll do that. What? <laughs> but off we went. Um, so, uh, 
you know, that is uh, that is sort of the nutshell origin story of of the Necronomnum, but um, it, it also um, dovetails with the origin story of Red Duke Games because, you know, it was it was Tom who asked me, Tom, would you ask me? Hey, Mike, you want to start a game company? <laughs> and then I said, yeah, you know what our first product should be? What's that, Mike? A cookbook. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah. but uh yeah um you know god bless him he uh he went along with me and we put it on kickstarter and it went berserk um and so here we are with uh book two coming out um in october um so that one will be called lovecraft cocktails and it is um done in the same vein it's the same team uh it has the same aesthetic uh the uh the wording is a bit simpler, you know, just because cocktail recipes are not as involved. And you, um, you know, if you're aiming at, at bartenders and, um, you know, folks in more mainstream restaurants, hopefully um, you don't want to drive them completely insane on contact. That doesn't, uh, doesn't do well for uh, repeat book sales. So we, uh, we made an effort to keep it in the same vein and preserve all the aesthetics, but you know, not drive um, some of the folks who weren't as necessarily as familiar with the genre insane on contact. So we're, we're proud of ourselves for that. <laughs> so <Those are> good goals. <laughs> so now this book has been a year in the making. What was involved in the process of writing um, the cookbook on cocktails? Oh, um, well, the first you... Um, First, you have a giant um, health event that shuts the whole planet down <laughs> and and you lock everybody in the house with nothing to do but drink. And then you talk to your publisher um, who says, yeah, a cocktail book would be great, which, of course, you know, lets you expense the, the necessary bar bill um, to do all that. And um, a year later, you get a a cocktail book with 75 plus Lovecraftian cocktails, um, about half of which are variations on, on classics and the other half are just bonkers elixirs that, um, you know, happen when there's nothing else to do but write and um, create drinks. <laughs> and they were extensively tested, so. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, they, they were thoroughly, all thoroughly tested. Uh, we're, we're big on that. And, um, you know, you you feed those over to your artist who's, who's also, um, you know, in lockdown. And um, thankfully he can do his thing from uh, any place. <laughs> He's got um, pencil paper and a, a stylus and an internet connection. Um, and you go back and forth, which uh, Kurt is fantastic about. And, and I'll, I'll just say here on, on record that hardly ever do we get a piece and say, oh no, I've got to change this, that, and the other thing. because. He just swiped what you wanted out of your mind, whether you actually asked for it or not. Now, Kurt, I've got to ask, um, I've worked as an administrative person with artists in graphic arts. So I have a background working with artists that are taking commissions and doing jobs. Was this a difficult project to work, or were these two books a difficult project to work on? Oh, no, oh, no, no not at all. Um, I think that the biggest challenge was dealing with the, uh, uh, Mike's photographs for the, the food or the drinks because they're always he always shot them too close with a flash 
it, it was it, you know I'm, and I, I had to translate into a into a into a sort of a, a digital painting but as for like the um the illustrations it was just almost stream of thought just just start from one end of the page and go to the other and uh they gave me a lot of freedom uh, especially with you know you know just write any notes i wanted um and yeah basically that's how it went it was it was basically just like uh, working in my sketchbook um he had a basic outline here can you include this include this uh put this someplace and i try to fit those in and you know that's how it worked it was it was great well i mean i think this is a genius move you guys to have kurt do the you know the, the illustrations for the book because i like i think i said to mike before i'm a huge collector of uh cookbooks of different like uh, fantasy and horror genres and um, a lot of them just tend to have a lot of photographs and you know they're nice enough maybe sometimes but I think that illustrations by Kurt really kind of added an extra dimension of atmosphere. Oh 100% I mean the the aesthetic of the book um, you know we, we knew what we wanted but we put it in his hands and he turned around something greater than we could have imagined you know, if I could have projected onto the page from my brain, you know, what I wanted, it wouldn't have been as good. Yeah. I mean, I just, it wouldn't, his, his ability to interpret and, um, and really get at what uh, is going to make the piece look uh, the way it should and, and, and the best way it can is, um, I just continue to be in awe. And Mike, I have no you, you may remember, <laughs> there was some, I had some skepticism about the book because you weren't going to have any photographs. Yep. You, have, you, have to, you have to hire a food stylist or a food photographer. It, you're going to have to get a, you know, a chef to cook the dishes because people are going to want to see the dishes. Well, you know? <laughs> yeah, that, that, was one of the, that was one of the things that we did early on. Once we saw Kurt's initial piece for the sandwich horror, we realized that, one, we will not be putting any pictures or photographs <laughs> in the cookbook. It was, oh, this is the aesthetic and this is going to work. And, you know, we went from there. It was a no-brainer at that point. Yeah, and we, that saved us a lot of photographs and then hiring other people. I mean, not that we couldn't do it and make a mockery of it, but you know, um, it was easy at that point. Yeah, it it is worth saying that all of the um, dishes in the Necronom Nom Nom and all of the cocktails in Lovecraft cocktails are drawn directly from photos. Now they're terrible photos taken with my phone <laughs> inexpertly. <laughs> Um, and, and, and I take full responsibility for that, but, you know, aside from not needing or wanting to hire, you know, professional photographers and, and all that, um, we didn't want photos in the book and, um, you know, Countryman Press, um, when they came along, uh, actually to their credit agreed and said, yeah, you know what, it's going to be different and it's going to take, uh, some people aback a bit, but, um, you know, if you do those dishes uh, the way they, they are um, laid out, you will get results that look like the drawing. And we, you know, if you go to our Instagram account or you go to our Facebook account or heck, if you email us, um, you know, we can show you the photos that these things are drawn from. And we do that at conventions all the time. And people just, uh, you know, goggle at them like, oh, my God, that is exactly like that is that dish drawn in you know like a medical journal ancient grimoire you know spell book type style um and that's that is how we did that and um so it's it's my fault for the terrible photos and and kurt's fault for the fantastic art 
Well, I mean, some of the stuff that's written um, about Lovecraft is so dry and analytical, or it can be fun. And I think that this definitely was a love letter. And uh, Kurt's artwork was, I mean, I really felt the love there. And it was just such a fun thing to see page to page. It really just tickled me. I, I never I never think once I, I leafed through it, you know, quickly, I was able to kind of savor all the different photos, not photos, sorry, the illustrations that Kurt did. And it was really lovely. You did a great job, Kurt. Well, thank you very much. Love to hear that. Oh, yeah. With um, the new book, though, um, the illustrations are a little more either, well, they're one, they're colorful. Yes. Not as uh, monotone or sepia toned as the uh, Necronomnom Nom, because we're dealing with drinks. We're not dealing with the textures of food. Yeah. Um, if I just drew a line drawing of a glass with a drink in it, there's no way anyone could tell what, you know, what's supposed to look like. Yeah. So we went more with a more um, photorealistic painterly style on all the drinks for this one, for most of them. Some of them were stylized. Yeah, the, the color the color palette had to match, you know, what this thing would would look like if you combine these things properly. Um, and so Kurt did a great job with that too. Um, you know, those those drinks look like the way they come out. Um, the uh, the only thing that you can't see in there is some of them are sort of time dependent, right? Like um, mm. like the mind replacer when you first make it does have this little dark cloud you know in the middle of the glass and it's suspended away from the rest of the liquid but if you let it sit there for a couple of minutes it's going to diffuse out it's going to sink it's not going to change the taste of it um but it, you know it will change the look so um some of these things are, are very much a, a snapshot but you know they are drawn from actual photos and and things that uh you know were real. I remember there was a revision on that one because i didn't capture what you wanted you know in that moment <laughs> you know, yeah one of the rare revisions right but it needed to you know it needed to look though yeah because i didn't get it i didn't get it from the photograph i didn't understand what it was supposed to look like i know and i and darn it you sent me back and made me make more and take more <laughs> <laughs> oh the drama it should, it, sh it should be mentioned that i am not a drinker at all so i don't know any of these liquors they're talking about i don't know what color they're supposed to be you know there, there's a lot of you know I just, it's not a world that I, I'm experienced in, so. And, and well, because of that, I learned to take um, more natural light photos. I actually, I think there yeah. might've been some, some cursing and, and, and hollering. Um, <laughs> <laughs> turn off the kitchen light, Mike, turn off the flash. Do, do it during the daytime, which was a real challenge for me because I'm, I'm totally nocturnal, but we yeah. got it done. <laughs> now, can we, you, you just mentioned one drink. Can you get a few previews of some of the drinks that you have in the um, Lovecraft Cocktails book? Sure. Um, so like I said, about half of them are variations on classics. And that is that is deliberate so that the uh, the bartender or the mixologist or you know the home the home barkeep party host, you know, can look at something and say, oh, okay, the uh, the hell residente is an El Presidente with <laughs> this and that instead of, you know, these other two things. They're, they're relatively simple substitutions that uh, certainly will change the flavor of the drink, but not unrecognizably so in most cases. Um, you know, they're, then, they're, like I said, the other half of them are just bonkers things I made up that if you find them, if you find the same ingredients in something somewhere else called something else that is completely 
by accident and I had no idea because as far as I know, uh, these are things that I, I thought I'll pull cloth and, and put together, tested, tweaked and, and then finished off. So, um, you know, and that would, an example of one of those would be like, you know, the rum beyond. Um, <laughs> it, it's a, a rum drink that features um, uh, aloe juice with the pulp in it. And, you know, so you get that aesthetic of like things floating, you know, in the, in the clear, uh, in the clear medium, just like in the uh, story and in the, in the movie, you have these invisible things sort of floating around you all the time. Um, you know, so sort of meant to represent that. Um, you've got, um, you know, all kinds of stuff that fits into the, into those, basically everything fits into those categories. And then there's a couple of, um, uh, virgin sacrifices, I mean, virgin cocktails. Um, you have um, like the num and yum, which are like the uh, um, neg and, and yeb, uh, or neb and yeb, uh, which are the twin obscenities. The, the one is a, um, is a milk chocolate um, sort of um, drinking chocolate drink, and the other one is the white chocolate version of it. Um, you know, both delicious. Uh, free of alcohol and um, appropriate as you know sort of desserts in their own right um, so I can uh, I can rattle off a few more but I, I think you might have had some other questions or I might get into those anyhow so uh, now this these were developed in committee um, you so you guys all had a hand in this were there any ideas that were you were just like no or hell no <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, um, yeah, because of, of the, uh, actually, um, there were a couple times where there was something that I thought worked, and really, I had just convinced myself that it did, and then I would get it in front of Tom and other people, and hear, <laughs> uh, hell no, um, <laughs> right, so one of them, the, so the original Bloodbath and Beyond uh, was just so beautiful it looked the part it came out exactly like i wanted it to look it looked like you were drinking a chalice of fresh blood the look was perfect and i so wanted to use the uh pama liqueur it's a mm -hmm. it's a pomegranate liqueur yeah, but it has a, a very very strong taste um and it was overpowering the other things and not combining well with them well i had convinced myself because it looked the way i wanted it to that it, it you know, it was okay. And then um, <clears throat> Tom had a sip and a few other people when we, <laughs> when we managed to get together, um, you know, safely. Uh, and they said, yeah, this is like drinking a glass of cherry cough syrup. Um, no, back to the drawing board. And, um, and so I did, I rescued the drink, but I, I had to, uh, I had to go with like a cran grape juice, which has sort of the crayon color, but more of the grape flavor, which combines better with the uh, Cabernet that is the base uh, alcohol in that. Um, and then cheat a little bit with, uh, you know, blue carousel. It was, it's always blue carousel to the rescue. Um, yeah. I was, I was trying to keep it out of so many drinks, but it's just so useful. Um, and if you do it right, it's really just for color and, and doesn't add too much uh, uh, to the flavor palette. Um, but it, it certainly can if you if you mean it. So, you know, if you see a drink that's got like a quarter ounce of blue Caraco, that, uh, blue Carousel, excuse me, that is, um, you know, color. that is for color. Yeah. Yeah. There was, um, 
there was one other that did not make it into the book and I just, it, I wrote it That's up, I liked it, I couldn't make it work. Um, it was called, uh, or it was to be called the thing that should not tea. Um, making a tea cocktail is rough. I know that there's somebody out there that can do it, you know, probably like a, our buddy Jeremiah Cornspan or, 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 or the Ohio Tea Company could probably pull this off, but um, I was just not able to do it. And so I, as much as it hurt me, I, uh, I, I took it out of the, uh, <laughs> I took it out of inclusion for the book. Maybe it'll, it'll reappear somewhere else. Yeah, at one point, somebody had suggested using clam juice just for reasons, and that was a big no as well. <laughs> yeah, we, we weren't even going to try. Now, was that in yeah. smell face drinks? <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> and there are Innsmouth-based drinks. There, there certainly are, um, but they don't feature clam juice. <laughs> yeah, that's a nifty one. <laughs> yeah. Um, were there any unusual liquors that you used that were kind of noteworthy? Ooh, um, I'm going to call a three-way tie on that. Um, now, are we talking price-wise or just easy to find? So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go by difficulty to find or yeah. unusual for inclusion. Um, at least that's the criteria that I'm using. Um, so there is a a cream bourbon called Nuku. And uh -oh. um, it doesn't sound on the surface of it like I would want to, I'm a bourbon guy. I, I'm not I'm not putting dairy products in my bourbon. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and yet uh, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's good. And um, at least around here wasn't terribly difficult to find. And my buddy, Tim, uh, it's one of his favorites, and so we wanted to have an, an homage drink to the guy that sort of uh, connected us all. Um, so, so the Dire Wolf um, is uh, is dedicated to Tim Carl, and it has his favorite um, it has his favorite alcohols in it. Um, that is one of those ones that has um, that the clock is ticking from the time you pour it um, because it has a cream component and alcohols. It will curdle. And look awful, um, you know. If you leave it sit for a couple of minutes, it still tastes fine. Um, but you know, I wouldn't blame somebody if they're like, um, "Yeah, I'm not sure about that." If you just make the drink and drink it, which is what you're intended to do, um, it's it's great. Um, it, it really came out good. I'm proud of it. But uh, that one, that one has a, a, a clock on it. Um, the other two, so mezcal was new to me, um, and I had been dying for an excuse to try it. Um, so, you know, for, uh, De Vermis Mezcalis, that was of course necessary. Um, and, uh, that was one that, uh, Miguel Pligure, who, who has also been on your show and who was wonderful to collaborate, um, brought, brought to the work. Um, so that had to be included. And then, um, the last one was Campari, which I also had never had and, um, has a very interesting, taste I'll, I'll put it that way it, it's it's one of those things that must be combined with other stuff I think I don't think anybody would drink that by itself and I don't think it's intended that way um, some booze historian will no doubt correct me and I will be grateful for the lesson but um, that is that is my impression of comparison. I actually like it I, I drink it myself <laughs> okay all right well I'm see, the one weirdo there you go um, 
people, you know, you can acquire a taste for anything. I'm sure every, a lot of people feel the same way about scotch. Um, so for the, uh, the Negroni Namacon, of course, um, nice. the Campari is, is compulsory. Um, so those are the three weird ones, um, you know, that I included. And I realized the last two were just, you, they were strange to me. Um, but hey, I got a, finally got a chance to need them <laughs> for something. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So um, have any bars or pubs taken up uh, these some of the drinks that you guys are working on? Have you collaborated and have somebody using them on their menu? Um, so yes and no. I, so yes, definitely at certain times. I don't know if they're like regular menu items. Um, Tom or Kurt, do you remember the name of the uh, bar in, in Providence? Um, where they had uh, two of the drinks on the menu um, during um, Necronomicon 2019. No, is, that no, is that the one where we took? Yes. Oh, wait, yeah, 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 that's it. Trinity, yes. yeah, Trinity. Trinity. Yep, Tr uh, Trinity Brewhouse, I think, in Providence, Rhode Island, um, had, uh, had two drinks featured. Um, and, um, you know, one of them was the, the, uh, the Shaken Not Haster. And... I was surprised that they picked that one because that that is a um, potent, yeah, strong, potent, potent. But you know, also like that's one of the ones that when I initially made it, you know, I I left the uh, I left the finished glass on the counter and went to do something, and Maggie, my wife, looked at it and said, "What <laughs> in the hell were were you drinking? What, what is that?" Just looking at the residue in the bottom because it has wasabi powder in it and uh yeah so <laughs> there there was that um so trinity um stonekeep meadery in in jim thorpe so most of our meads most of our recipes that call for mead uh use uh stonekeep products and so in their tasting room in jim thorpe and um there's one near collegeville tom but that's not exactly the right town there's um mm. Mount malvern maybe um, they have a couple tasting rooms, yeah. anyhow. Um, they've had the book, and they've, uh, I believe, made um, some of the recipes that that call for mead um, on offer. I'm not a hundred percent sure of that. Um, there's um, JB Love Drafts in um, Harrisburg. Um, they are uh, they are fans of the book, and I, I I don't know if they got around to doing it. It was like kind of right before COVID hit and everything shut down and never never got back in there to uh, to, to taste, um, you know, um, somebody else's version of a drink that, you know, I had created or, or never had one uh, other than one that I had made. So um, there's those guys, there's Crosswater Distillery, um, also in Pennsylvania that, um, I'll be having a book signing at um, for the uh, 
the Lovecraft cocktails, um, and they will be featuring um, some things out of the book for that evening. And I imagine if they're popular, they'll they will continue to offer that. Um, where else, Tom? Um, those were the ones that I knew of. Um, oh, oh well, and then there's um. There's the Red Duke Lounge, I guess. Can we? Oh, the Red Duke Lounge, of course. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> not really a bar or anything. That's more like when we go to conventions and I let us set up and do stuff. Um... <laughs> yes. Yeah, then you willing, um, we may provide free samples um, to uh, to convention goers, which um, just uh, never goes over badly. But it depends on the rules of the uh, the venue. <laughs> now I have to ask: Have you did you create any? Um drinks that had uh, glasses lined with essential salts oh yeah um yeah so there's the uh there's the haunter of the dark arena um which is a uh a, a, a purple black margarita that features black volcanic salts uh on the rim um there are actually several that feature interesting salts and and um you know you depending on where you are. Well, actually, in most places, Amazon is wonderful for getting a hold of whatever the heck you might have wanted. But uh, um, yeah, black volcanic salts um, happened to show up at, at a farmer's market down, two towns down from me. And I went, oh, well, I've got to buy this and use it for something. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it made it into the Hunter of the Dark Arita. Now I was going to ask each of you, do you... Um... If you guys want to all take this in turn, um, what are your favorite Lovecraft stories and or movies based on his works? Kurt, <laughs> what you got? Because I know Kurt um, are going to... I think definitely Dream Quest is uh, my favorite. Uh, as for movies, hmm. I know I have a favorite. I'm just trying to think. I'm just that may to be the toughest question of yeah. all. <laughs> I know that because really none of them, none of them nail it. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah. Any, I don't think anyone's ever. I've never walked out and gone, oh, they, they, they nailed it. But I know you enjoyed um, Nick Cage's uh, Color Out of Space. Oh, I really, I really enjoyed that. I really. You're like taking that. mine. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, that's not the close to nailing it. I um, I love From Beyond. I love. Uh, yeah. I love Reanimator. Even though they, those are very different than the you know than the uh, stories are based on that's so that's okay sure um yeah it might be color yeah yeah it might be color yeah it just just for i really did enjoy that one <laughs> all right i know there's i know there's one that's gonna pop up in my head later on but that's that's my choice for now <laughs> tom why don't you go before i steal anything else <laughs> yeah you're gonna yeah well the color out of space i think you know with, with i mean even though yes it was like cage I think he had a lot of fun with it and you can tell, but I got the feels from it. You know, it's like, I actually saw that movie in a, you know, third rate theater, one, one screen, and it was just packed house. And it was just the best experience ever to watch that movie. Um, and as far as stories go, um, the music of Eric Zahn, short story, um, Color Out of Space, of course, and um, I just recently picked up uh, Mountains of Madness, a graphic novel that really was was a fun read. So, but yeah, and those are the, the top ones for me. All right, so the last one steals 
you know, one of my favorites, but I've, I've talked about that before. Um, At the Mountains of Madness and uh, Pickman's model are probably tied uh, for me as favorites, although that is that is really hard because there's so many that, that um, you know, that I enjoy. There are almost none that I don't. Um, I should mention but, uh, there's going to be a Pickman's model. Um, I'm probably breaking someone's NDA. Yeah, there's going to be uh, there's going to be a depiction of the Pixman's model coming up uh, pretty right. soon. That, that I will look forward to that. Um, film wise, I have to give a shout out to the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society's uh, Call of Cthulhu, the uh, the black and white one that they did their own score for, and um, I mean just the score alone is worth having. Uh, I'll, I'll put that on sometimes to to write to or to game to. Um, but the movie's great, and as as is just everything that they turn out. Um, if your listeners are not familiar with the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society, uh, Google that, find their store, and buy their things because um, they they do a fantastic job. And if you're going to talk about nailing things, these are folks that try to get every detail as close to right as possible. I love those movies; they're beautiful. They did one other, but it's escaping me now. It was the one with the the uh, fungi from Yagoth. Um, um, yeah, that one. Oh, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Recent. I just recently saw, saw that one. one. Yeah. yeah, at the, uh, saw film that at the Necronomicon. Yeah. No, I saw it at the film, film festival uh, a couple weeks ago or a few weeks ago. Oh. No, you're thinking of a different one, Tom. You're, you're thinking oh. of like 1970s Attack of the Mushroom People or something. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was at the Necronomicon. That's Matango. Festival. Yeah, that's, that's which it. is from, uh, was it a Whisper in the Dark? Yep, that's, it. that's story? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A great short story. It's available online in full text. Read it. It's brilliant. You know, uh, the Pickman's model was one of the few uh, Lovecraft stories they did on Night Gallery. Mm -hmm. I remember and they did that in Cool Air. Yep. That was, that my was mother really told well us Pickman's model. When my mother used to tell us, mother's a huge horror fan. And when we were little kids, she would tell us stories. I didn't know where they were from, but she told us a version of Pickman's model when we were real little and it's, you know, the way she told it, it scared me. Oh, it's, 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 it's not like the book, but it, I guess my memory of it's probably distorted because she's, you know, but it's, it was an early introduction to Lovecraft without knowing it was Lovecraft. That's, that's a classic. What are, parents, what are parents for? That's great. That's right. That's why Kurt, <laughs> no, no, draws, that's why Kurt that's draws awesome. the things he does. He's, he's yeah, she, she loved horror movies. She wanted us to see them even though, yeah. <laughs> I'd be sent to bed every time something scary happened, and then the, the movie would be scarier in my head than it actually was, because I won't get to see the movie. <laughs> that would be wonderful to have a parent that loved horror. I didn't have that, but that'd be nice. I had, had me. I had nightmares all the time, though. I had horrible nightmares. <laughs> I had parents that went to bed early and um, and left. Uh, I don't know if it was HBO or one of the very early. Uh, cable services you know still running so i remember sitting up with my cousins and watching poltergeist and the thing back to back oh. and going oh, to man. bed and listening to them whimper the rest of the the night <laughs> we'd see movies and drive-ins and then when, when scary stuff started happening because because i had nightmares and i'd wake up screaming and keep everyone awake whenever something scary started happening they go kurt lay down i had to lay down in the back seat then i'd hear it I hear these screams going on through the speaker coming out the window, you know, coming in the window. And my brother Paul would be describing 
<laughs> what he's seeing. <laughs> he's probably exaggerating them. Because I've seen some of these movies that traumatized me as a child, as an adult, and they're not good. So never, never go back. It, Just and, keep it in your head. <laughs> right. And anybody that goes and, and, and looks up, you know, Paul's portfolio will not be surprised at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we'll put the link on for the listeners. You really do have to see Kurt's work. It's magnificent. I mean, I'm I'm just I feel kind of awestruck to be actually talking to you on Zoom right now. It's just really oh, thank you. a huge fan. And look up my brother too. He's yeah, you know, he's busy working on some uh, movie stuff. Paul, yeah. Paul, and and Kurt. It's just like how did that much talent get in one family? How does how does that work? Um, yeah, <laughs> just constantly and all. I'm I'm with you, Dean. <laughs> Now, what is next for you guys? Ooh, um, so there are um, there are things that we can say we are definitely working on, and then there are rumors. That right. Yes. There. Um, so, um, Red Duke Games will have two new card games out. Um, hopefully, by the end of this month. Um, Tom, you want to say a little bit about those? So yeah, we have a, we're going to start with a children's game. Um, our first children's game was Witch One, which was based off animals. And it's geared towards kids that are like ages five to 10 and learning how to read and, and you know, conflict resolution and, and stuff. But it's a really fun, small, interesting game. We did an expansion to that called Spooky, the Spooky Edition which is based off of Halloween characters and, and you know, cutified um, horror creatures. Um, and uh, that's the expansion to the original Witch One. And then um, our second game, which is our first feature game for Red Duke Games, is uh, Azra, War of Heralds. And um, I like to think of it as uh, basically your D&D party versus my D&D party using rules from um, card games such as, you know, kind of like along the same vein of Magic the Gathering. Um, but again, it's, it's, I'm whitewashing it completely and it's a lot better than what I'm describing it as. It, it's a, so. it's a tabletop version of a, um, uh, massively online battle arena, right? So it, it is, you know, you're drafting, um, you know, to, two parties um, out of fantasy archetypes like paladins and assassins and clerics and, um, you know, and we've got some new ones thrown in there thanks to some of our backers, you know, like a, a golem and a, um, a corsair think you know, these are archetypal, um, you know, sort of things. And then your opponent is picking from the same roster. Um, and then you're going to uh, use the rules of the game, which are, you know, very tight and quick, any, any collectible or, um, uh, buildable card game players going to easily understand how to how to play this thing. Okay, I've got two kinds of currency. It costs current these currencies to to use these powers, and and off you go. It's a quick, tight, fun, super well designed little game um, by a gentleman named Eric Fairchild. Um, it is uh, it is his first uh, foray into game design, and if it's any indicator. Um, He's got a lot of uh, a lot of runway um, because this game is is just um, really fun to play and, and well made. So looking forward to bringing those to people. Um, I am in the process of writing a fifth edition book. Um, 
our our role playing uh, fans, and that will go on Kickstarter, hopefully, um, early next year. Um, this uh, this this awesome artist guy that we've been talking about um, named Kom Komoda, Kom something like that, um, has recently signed, recently signed on to the project. Um, so we, we may we may get some Kurt Komoda monsters for the. Uh, for the monster section of uh, of the book, and maybe maybe some other places, um, and then um, we are planning a baked goods and desserts book, um, tentatively titled the Necro Yum Yum Yum. Nice. Um, and uh, that one is going to be probably more dependent on um, our publisher, but I don't know. We're thinking with the. Uh, recent performance of the Necronomnomnom Nom Nom and the uh, strong pre-sales for Lovecraft cocktails, that might not be a hard sell. I don't think it'd be a hard sell at all. I would buy it. <laughs> uh, the challenge is going to be in actually making and creating and having enough you know, content to uh, oh, you know, we're not, yeah, we're not all, have, the, all the things that we want to make. We won't have enough. We won't have a problem getting enough content. Um, Baking is much more a science than um, some of the other stuff we've done. So this may be a more collaborator heavy work. Um, if you need somebody to test some recipes out, just shoot them my way. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. You probably Good. won't lack for volunteers either. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Kurt, do you have any um, projects you're working on that you want to give a shout out to? Well, right now I'm finishing up uh, the latest stretch goals artwork for Fate of Cthulhu, which is a highly successful uh, RPG. Uh, I've done what like four different installments of illustrations for that one because they keep adding on to it, and it's a lot of a lot of fun doing that. I just uh, wrapped up uh, this RPG called um, Haunted West by Darker Hughes Studio, which is a sci-fi western, and it has some Lovecraftian elements in it. So it's, it's a lot of fun work. Tom, do you have any projects um, you want to give a shout out to, or? <laughs> well, um. I've been work. I've been doing a lot of playtesting of some of the projects that we've started. I want to say, when did we start the whole Red Duke Games thing? 2016, 17? Um, um, 16, yeah, is when it really kind of started. Yeah. We, we have roughly, I want to say, a good 20 different projects that are in different phases of development. And uh, whether it's card games, board games, um, you know, other type projects, reading, I'm sorry, not, uh, writing projects. And, um, you know, I've been lately trying to play test a few of our older ones that are, you know, closer to finalizing or finishing the development of. And uh, I've been working with uh, the Philadelphia Game Makers Guild, a few friends and other game designers to play test some of the stuff that we have. So um, we have a a project called Numinos that is using creatures of myth, lore, and legend. And uh, we're in the process of getting all the artwork put together for that. Um, and, you know, the game is done. It's just a matter of getting artwork put together. And um, we have another one uh, that I've been playtesting that is early in development, which is basically a drone racing game, but it has like yeah. a three-dimensional element to it. Um, again, you know, if we have just tons of like small games, big games that we have, you know, in our heads and 
you know, most of them on paper. It's just a matter of, you know, different stages of development. So um, I'll just throw yeah, in. We also, yep, the next card game that we had really pushing that Mike has been um, working on. He's been the main developer of that one, uh, Powers of Light and Darkness. You want to say more about that, Mike? Well, yeah, so what I was going to say is um, if, uh, if listeners want to go to reddutegames.com and look at the ideas and development uh, page, you can get, um, you know, six or seven of the things that are, that we're working on and, and look, you know, we would like feedback on them too, right? I mean, if, um, <laughs> if a lot of people jump in and say, oh my gosh, make this thing next, you know, we can potentially move it in the pipeline. Or, you know, now nah, we're not, you know, nobody's interested in that. Don't bother with that one. Um, you know, we, we like to get feedback. So that's one place you can do that. Powers of Light and Darkness, you know, may get wrapped into the, um, into the fifth edition book. Um, they are, they, they coexist in the same universe, um, something that we're calling Furthest Night. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a phrase we actually started to use in relation to the Necronomnomnom, you know, some of the, that these recipes come from the kitchens of Furthest Night, um, but now we're making Furthest Night a place, um, you know, a role-playing setting, and, and no, it's it's not anything to do with goofy Lovecraftian recipes out of a cookbook. It's it's actually a a, a 5e setting, um, you know, but you can, you can go see some of that in the ideas and development section on the website. Um, you know, Tom, Tom has uh, drone racers that he's been working on for a while, which is a board game um, simulation of, of a drone racing, um, you know, type sport, but you can do neat things in a board game that you can't do um, with real drones, like have teleportation portals and, um, you know, death crashes that, you know, <laughs> right, crashes that don't cost a thousand dollars to repair. Um, so yep. that one, that one, if done right, um, should come with some really cool, you know, drone miniatures that you may be able to use elsewhere in your sci-fi games that I won't mention names of. Um, but, you know, we try to, to put prod, uh, products out there that might have, you know, more than one use. So that's, um, that's just a kind of a small snippet of, of things that we're working on. Like Tom said, there's probably 20 things in the pipeline in various uh, states of completion. I'll put the uh, link to the ideas and development on the bio information so people can check that out. Great. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I know all you, we need to do is up, update it. Yeah. I know you guys got to get going, um, but I have one last question. How's the pre-sale for the Lovecraft cocktails doing? I know with the success of the Necronomnom, there's probably a lot of uh, interest in it. Um, Yes, I, uh, I can't give numbers out, but I can say that um, those numbers are very gratifying. Um, I, I have seen them and um, probably safe to put it in terms of saying that Lovecraft cocktails pre-sales exceed the initial print run of the Necronomnomnom itself. Nice. Very good. Well, good luck to you guys. I think this is going to be a big hit with everybody. Well, thanks. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. And thanks for having us. I, I love having you guys on the show. If I could have any excuse to have you on again, please come on again. I'd love to talk to you guys again. Yeah, make okay. sense enough. <laughs> okay, thanks, guys. <laughs> have a good weekend, okay? You too. Right. Cool. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you everybody. 
hope you enjoyed my conversation with Mike Slater, Thomas Roche, and Kurt Komoda of Red Duke Games about their newest book, Lovecraft Cocktails, available from Countryman Press right now on Amazon. Uh, again, it would make a great addition to your Halloween festivities, and if you're a Lovecraft nerd like me, you're going to love it anyway, so just go ahead and get it. Do yourself a favor. Next week, we're going to be having Halloween week. Um, I'm looking very much forward to it. We're going to be doing a lot of um, talking with different authors next week, and are going to be rerunning a couple of shows or encore episodes. On Monday, we're going to be having Laurel Woodward with her book, Kitchen Witchery, from Llewellyn out on Monday. And she was a great conversation. I really enjoyed talking to her. We're bringing back our conversation with Lloyd Arbach, who is a paranormal expert and a chocolatier. And he'll be here on Tuesday, the 26th. Um, Lisanna Wallace's encore presentation will be on Wednesday, and she wrote The Natural Witch's Cookbook. Uh, I really wanted to bring her back and talk to her again in an encore presentation of that recorded um, podcast. And then on Friday, we're going to be having a new guest, J.D. Walker, which are Witch's Gride Wildcrafting. And that is also by Llewellyn, and that was a wonderful conversation. I really learned a lot from J.D. Walker, and I really enjoyed getting to talk to her. I'd love to have her back on the show again. So again, Halloween week is next week, and we're going to have a host of guests all through the week. So come and listen to us every day on the podcast, and then we're going to be going into um, season four after that. So this has been a long trek uh, since season one. I've had a lot of guests on, and I've really enjoyed getting to talk to all of them. And with today's podcast, you've seen I've had a few guests on for a second time, and that's been a wonderful pleasure. And I look forward to having many of my guests back on again. So until then, until next week, enjoy the Halloween season, and I hope you have a really good time uh, with your families uh, during the Halloween time period if you celebrate it. So until next time, happy cooking.